Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of two ways. Either you, either you are at my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you are in the most efficient way to get the show. Enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. So I'll get right to it today. I got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with this glory card. A lot of good stuff on the glory card. Uh, We'll go from the top down, even though, of course, Botter's the biggest star, but we're going to go from the top of the card down. Patch, uh, <coughs> Patch Patanium, uh, Kit Moon 9 gets another victory over Dave Mejia. Uh, Patch, you know, is making his case to be one of the greats ever at 143 pounds. Uh, you know, it's just uh, clearly when I came up, the big weight class was 147. Like, that was for, um, you know, pounds, that was the way. So, course who's you know he's got the dominant left leg he's got the distance control he's got the the you know the the uh sneaky boxing uh not consistent boxing but sneaky boxing but the main thing is he steps and he uh in ways where you can't get your range to score offense on him and when you are in range to score offense on him he's able to tie you up and keep you from getting off um David at least had some competitive rounds where he was able to push the pace and get in the pocket, uh, make things interesting. And this went to a split, and the split went in favor of Petch. But uh, David fought in a way where he might think to himself, you know, if I just made this adjustment, if I just did this, uh, I think I could have more success. With that said, he still has to beat Petch. And Petch is one of the, you know, greats of, of this era, and he's going to be tough for anybody to beat. So good showing. Petch gets the victory. Stoyan Kaprovansky gets a victory over Soren Kaliniok. Uh, Stoyan is a mainstay in the top five of the Glory roster. Uh, he's always going to be tough. He's always going to be entitled to contention. He's going to have his losses here and there. But man, this dude's good. This dude can fight. And I'm excited to see what's going to come from him moving forward. Uh, he's always uh, entertaining. He always, you know, just. He's got the angles, he's got the sneaky head kick, he's got the right boxing. Uh, just a, a really, really phenomenal, fun fighter to watch. When I see he's on a card, I'm excited. So he gets the victory here, and uh, we'll see what they do with him next. Levy Rutgers comes out and gets a pretty clear one-sided victory over Ion uh, Turbusiano. Uh, I think that Rutgers, who took this fight on very short notice, if I remember correctly, goes out there just starts eating with the low kicks uh just had the boxing had the kick game got uh ion in trouble and that was it first round uh levy records if i remember correctly i think this was a short notice but i just like his professionalism how he shows up he's ready to fight he used to be at a little bit smaller weight um when i first saw him but he's a talented guy i'm excited to see more from him anytime i, I get a guy out there and and it's important to get stoppages i can't stress it enough if your sport Clearly, having the best fight the best uh, is, you know, very important. But if I look at the K1 World Grand Prix, the, the event that I feel is the best, 2000, you know, the, the year Bukau won his second, you know, uh, K1 World Grand Prix, there was a stoppage in the finals. There's a lot of stoppages in the early rounds. You want to see the best fight the best, but you want to see stoppages. And so when I saw this on the card, I go, man, this adds to a very, very clean, very good card. You know, so uh, Levy going out there, handling his business, winning by stoppages. It's just good. It's good for the crowd to see it. And uh, the strength of the crowd, good audience there. Um, I thought that it was good. I thought the crowd responded well. And shout out to uh, Levy, and we'll see what comes next from him. 
Next, we've got Uku uh, Jujindo as he gets a KO victory over Badr Hari. I, I, I mentioned all the time, you know, Badr has, he's not what he was, but he's still very good. And uh, he's just had the most unfortunate streak since coming back to glory between, you know, uh, decisions that didn't go his way and, you know, uh, the, the gang fight that happened in one of his, you know, one of his fights and, you know, the uh, pulling out for the Morocco um earthquakes and switching opponents because i thought they were still going to go with the same guy um everything and i'm telling you everything about the flow to this you know to this to what's happening in the later stage of his career it's just you'll still see a glimpse of what he used to be and then all of a sudden the right kind of shot will land and he'll be in trouble even in his prime his chin was vulnerable like he'd been hurt but he was just so aggressive he was just so mean with his uh, uh offense he was just he was a special special kind of fighter and that was both good and bad special in terms of he could turn it up and knock out anybody uh bad in terms of he was always chinning and he could go down by anybody as he gets to the late stage of his career you still see the talent but uku just timed the right off of a kick he timed or uh, overhand right caught Badahari clean gets the ko uh um you know victory gets knockdowns and he gets the stoppage um young strong guy you know i was surprised i actually thought that he was matched well um in his last one before the earthquake and i thought that you know getting uh Jujindal, and again Bader doesn't care who i mean he wants to fight good guys um i thought you got a guy who was younger and hungry and wanted the opportunity like wanted to see how he would do on the world stage wanted the name Badahari. um i thought that uh this was an interesting decision by his team because it was a little bit of a step in the other direction. But, you know, congratulations to Uku Jinjirdal. Uh, excuse me, Jirdendal. Fantastic KO victory. Uh, one of the cool moments of the year. And hopefully he turns this into something. You can't just get big wins like this and disappear. You got to get a big win and turn it into something. Or else it's going to be like at the end of Mike Tyson's career. He had some losses to guys who none of us even know anymore. Like those guys. It, he wasn't Mike Tyson when they, when they got the victory. So if they got that victory and then turned around and beat some guys. Then people would be like, okay, let's follow. Let's follow. Let's see what's going to happen. But. Those guys got those victories, and then they went back to being what they were, kind of, you know, journeyman-ish guys. If Jirjindal uh, is going to turn this into something, he needs to put on a streak, at least get himself to Bader, you know, or to Rico, but, you know, definitely a win to build on. But <clears throat> Bogdan Stoika gets a victory over Luis Tavares, uh, a couple knockdowns from him correctly. Bogdan, I'm telling you, and I think this is his first win in glory. At one period of time, before the, the accident that he was in, uh, I think it was a motorcycle car accident, I can't remember the year, but before that, he was so explosive, his brother was the technical one, was the, you know, clean kickboxing, the low kicks, he was the technical one, Bogdan was the explosive, jumping knee, spinning hook kick type guy. He has always had the athletic tools, and his weight just kept going up. Now he's campaigning here for glory at light heavyweight, but he made most of his name you know, around what would be the middleweight division uh, and a little bit below that. But it was cool to see him get this victory. Luis Tavares, a talented guy. And Luis Tavares is one of the rare examples of you fought in the big stage, you lost, you earned your way back to the big stage, and then you started winning. Uh, Luis did it the right way. Tough fighter, fought a lot of guys. I uh, think he's got a victory over Ricky, Rick, uh, Levy Rickers back when he was, you know, on the small, on the, uh, um, back on the Dutch circuit but man 
Bogdan should be able to turn this into a run. It's a good win. You know, it's a good win. At minimum, get one more, and I think that'll get him in there because the division doesn't have as many guys. But he's a fun name to have around, and if he gets to it, it'll just be really cool for me just to see him and how he's progressed through the years, even just getting the title fight opportunity because his first showings in glory didn't produce it. You know, he got stopped and um, injuries and, you know, contracts and, you know, where you're going to fight and money and it kept us from seeing what he could be so this one was really cool so good for him hopefully he uses it and moves forward alexander petrov gets a victory over kim uh Mabrok. uh the young guy who they are building muhammad uh to excuse me to Chassis is a guy who they got something there okay this victory over uh edward alexanyan the three knockdowns in the second round doesn't tell the story. He was better everywhere. You know, he's able to get stops with step knees. He's able to, you know, uh, knock you down with the boxing. His low kick game, he's just a complete, complete kickboxer. They have something here, and they're building him the right way. Clearly, the hope would be to do like, you know, Hamid's just fighting uh, next month. But clearly, the hope would be to build him in a way where people see stoppage, 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 stoppage title fight. You want to have that excitement. So you got to have guys that are just eaten just beating the the lowest you know beating the beat that level that that early level once they get into glory um and then you get them a the step up opportunity uh not too hard not too good of not too hard of a step up opportunity clearly they could win anyways but the thing that gives them the buzz is the fact that they're winning by stoppages that's what they got to keep doing with this kid get them those opportunities give them the title shot everybody will be more excited by it if they look at your resume and you got five stoppages going in so Next, we've got Theodore uh, Hirstov. He gets a victory over Edward uh, Gunfuku on the on the undercard. And then finally, Dragomir Petrov gets a victory over Chris One by split decision. Close one there. But, you know, again, Glory, very consistent in the second half of the year. Uh, very uh, showing their health. Like, they're selling well. They've got a good TV deal. Um, I think it's Videoland uh, there in uh, Holland. So they've got good you know streaming rights there uh they are doing good on house numbers as far as getting attendance going they're in a healthy spot right now and a lot of people think about them back when you were seeing when they were on spike tv and stuff like that it was a really good deal the u.s tv deal was their best tv deal so in that regards they did good things but they lost a lot of money on travel and bringing fighters in and and um you know just flying the team over and you know a lot of things have changed and their business model is extremely stable. Like they put themselves in a position where they're stable. And clearly, you know, we all, I would love for them to come back to America. I'd love for them to do Asia again, but it's gonna come down to, you've gotta get the right TV deal or streaming deal that's gonna make it worth it for you or else it's, you're not gonna have success with it. So good stuff there by Glory and their card coming up November 4th on paper is the best card of the year. And I'm not going to get into it now. I want to give it all of its attention when we get closer. But they're looking at, by far, their best card of the year coming up. Really, really good stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and... There are a couple one championship results that I'm going to look at. I won't look at them all. There, there was a lot of stuff. But, you know, I want to touch on a couple things. Um, Rongbong gets a... Uh, KO over Punsuk, uh, you know, with punches. Patdam, uh, Petdam get a victory over uh, Pet Palangchai. Uh, that was a KO by punches first round. Just the aggression, the fighting in the pocket that that you know um, that they really want to see. That Chachri really wants to see. This card delivered a lot of that. 
um, what was it? Uh, Krill Komatov gets a victory over uh, Point Siri. That was KO in the first round. Johan Gazeli gets a uh, victory over Temurian. Uh Beck Muzarv. That was the body punch KO. Smooth stuff there. Stoppage is all over. Um, and I think the reason why this is important is because it's the brand that they want to put out. Uh, they want you in the pocket. Uh, and I think the main event of this one was Super Bowl versus Julio Lobo. They want you in the pocket killing, okay? They, they don't want you playing at a distance. They want to see you in the pocket, letting it go. Um, it's, you know, it's modified Muay Thai. That's, that's what it is. I, I would, I think anybody who has an argument with what their brand is, just simplify it by saying it's modified Muay Thai. Um, and I don't think that offends too many people. You just want to get in the pocket and let your hands go and be aggressive. And it's no longer that couple slow rounds for, you know, the betters. And then you guys get into the action later and they're going to score it like how you would score boxing, who has the most clean, effective offense. Most of the time, that's what you're going to see, you know, not all the time, but most of the time, that's what you're going to see. You want clean, effective offense that leads to. Uh, stoppages in the pocket so the fighters are all warned before they go out there if you're gonna get this one championship opportunity we're gonna keep bringing you in in front of this crowd we're gonna keep putting you on our streaming you know YouTube channel you got to bring it you can't play the game and I again I've already had this episode where I talked about how some people they like the clinch they like the the pummeling they like the the pacing you know they, they like how offense is set up this is all kind of forced this is all kind of um, agreed upon aggression because of the rule set and taking away the savviness of some athletes and making them fighters that are, you know, more vulnerable. I understand people's disappointment, but they have a very entertaining product and they put on a great show. Next two fights I want to talk about is Taiwan Shai gets a victory over Joe Nottawat. Just too slick, too young. <laughs> you know, Joe Nottawat's, uh, uh, like, when I say young, I don't necessarily mean that he's that, you know, significantly the age difference is going to matter but just his style and his freshness and the way he's in there and the way he can find his, his offense clean uh he did a good job and he gets a victory here jonathan debella really i think if i remember correctly was a clean sweep over daniel williams he is super talented i first met daniel debella uh when i was working for glory and uh whenever they do the cards in new york they would bring him on special they didn't have his weight class so they'd bring him out there and he'd get the opportunity to compete and you could see it. He had really fast hands. He had really good control of difference, dis distance. Uh, his boxing to his kick setups were good. Um, mostly, I'd say they're not always connected. It's not always boxing flow to low kick. But when he finds it, like when he's in there, he is so consistent at finding offense. But the biggest thing is DeBell does a pretty good job of not taking offense back a lot. Like he's pretty good at that. So him defending his title, good stuff. Uh, I wish there was more fanfare for the division. Um, the fight that he won the title one was like a awesome awesome fight but main thing is he's consistently working he signed this deal he didn't fight for a few years after signing his contract with uh, uh one championship but now he's there and he's on the regular fighting and it's really cool to see him get these victories so shout out there and that will wrap up my one championship coverage now i'm going to move on to uh i know it's not everybody thing because of the pacing but for those who want that old school style of muay thai um which is still it still has its stoppages still has its great offense it's just different and the flow is different the scoring uh and and the judging allows you to play the game a little bit and just you know find your offense in spots also 
should be noted before I, you know, get into this uh, uh, Raja World Series, you know, Raja Nam World Series uh, tournament finals. The thing that I always want to notice is they are very much influenced by influenced by one championship's presence. So even though it is allowed for you to play the game, even though it's allowed for you play teeps, play the you know the the, the front foot, play you know the leans, play the body kicks, play you know uh, distance control, they allow that. But I think because one championship is present, they are much more aggressive much more aggressive just in my eye point I'm not saying that they're the same they're not the same the product is different the flow is different but i definitely think that it's significantly noticeable that they're different you know uh like they they, they are different but they have elements that are making for more action and uh the uh i, I believe it's uh they're calling it rws they have a lot of differences there so Go to the card. First of all, the stoppage by uh, Jetrit uh, Sipadet uh, over um, Yaya Venom Muay Thai. It was really, really. Uh, it was a cool. I mean, it was a cool fight. Like you saw the the distance. You saw the you know the work that they did. Uh, you know, and Yaya all of a sudden his offense started to go down, and Jetrit started to really pick up. And then all of a sudden they get into the corner. And pretty smooth transition, in my personal opinion. Uh, I, I really liked how this KO happened. Basically, what, what 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 happens is he gets close and he lands an elbow. And Yaya asks, he's hurt because the elbow kind of caught him behind the ear. He reaches out to the body to try to, you know, get to the clinch and buy himself some time. But uh, Jitrit did a great job of framing and then getting a knee right in the chest. Uh, gets the, you know, the KO stoppage. It was an awesome, awesome series. Really good stuff. Knee takes him down. Next, we got Mohamed uh, Rahini Bazad. I think I got his last name, right? Bazad. Uh, did a really good job in this one. But Revo was leading the dance. He was scoring clean. He was closing the distance. And then all of a sudden... Revo, after an exchange, he goes to the uh, the you know the, the the high guard. And he's got his leg up, so he's hopping on one leg and and you know prediction of the kick, and just the distance where Bazad was, he kind of got to the outside and he fired a body kick that got through absolutely clean, unblocked, while Revo was on one leg. Revo goes down. Uh, he takes the the KO stoppage from the body kick. It was just as smooth as, as as clean of a kick as you can land. And Revo had some good moments before it. You could argue after round one he was up. Um, that didn't mean that uh, Bazad didn't have his moments. Uh, for sure he had his moments. He held the, the he held his ground. And it also another thing I'm starting to see is people are kind to um, do the. Moroccan, you know, type hold your ground and and you know when you go against that Thai style, uh, you know, Chinggis Alzov hold your ground, uh, score offense, and if they're gonna just play that long guard, just keep letting your hands go. So a lot of people are trying to play with that. Clearly, it's gonna come down to the athlete and if you're good enough to do it. But he played with that and he had success here and there. But I thought Revel was leading the dance. I thought he was winning the fight. Next thing you know, we get to that second round. He's bouncing on the leg. Bazad gets through clean with the body kick and he goes down. Fantastic stuff. Petchmai gets a victory uh, over uh, Osamo, uh, Revolution, Phuket. And then we had John Pranchai gets a victory over Al uh, Alfie Pierce, uh, you know, by decision. Are definitely good stuff there. Ritter, uh, two stoppages, so we're going to get to the tournament uh, finale. So they had, uh, over the last few months, they've had tournaments. So these are the finales. Uh, Ritawada. Uh, Pityan D Academy gets a victory over Hercules War uh, Shorawot. 
here's my thing with this fight. So this, uh, sorry, small, short delay. So this KO is one, this fight, this KO is one of my favorite KOs of the year. So basically, solid back and forth between uh, um, uh, Ritawada and Hercules. They had some good moments. I thought that Ritawada was just a little bit savvier, leading the dance. He had some slick stuff that he played with. But then, as Hercules is reaching in for the clinch, Ritawada lands a elbow quick, slick inside the guard, really, really quick. And then he gets into the clinch and he turns and he gets a Muay Thai dump and he throws him around. So the ref did a great job. He recognized it immediately. He was already trying to stop Ritawada from doing the dump. Uh, but Hercules, after the dump, goes down. Hercules is like reaching onto the ropes. He's trying to get himself up. It was as cool and as clean a KO as you were going to see. Uh, but you had to have the eye for it because it was definitely extremely subtle. So fantastic job by Ritawada. Really good. When I do my, you know, 2023 year in kickfighting highlight, this KO will be in there for sure. It was some slick stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. And a big time year. Big time year for kickboxing and Muay Thai. Oh, we got a lot of fights. So, finish the card up with the uh, Thanachai getting a victory over Yodwicha. This fight was excellent. The reason why it was excellent was Thanachai, as I mentioned before, he was able to win on, you know, uh, uh, playing the counter game, playing the distance, playing the quick kicks, uh, playing the lead leg tap. He's able to find his offense. Sneaky head kick scores, you know, uh, gets Yodwicha, uh, um, you know, unraveled. Like he did such a good job. And then Yodwicha realized, I just got to bring the fight to him. And I remember um, Ryan Scalia, he's, you know, doing his thing in boxing, living his dream. Uh, he's a matchmaker, works with a lot of fighters. When he was really big in kickboxing in Muay Thai, we were talking about Yodwicha and he said something. He says, Yodwicha seems like. It's important for him to win the fight how you normally win fights. So if you're a clinch guy, he tries to beat you in clinch. If you're a kickboxing guy, he tries to beat you in kickboxing. So when he came up, when he first burst on the scene, you know, young man, 16 years old, and everybody's kind of talking about him, that's what he offered. In this fight, now that he's older, uh, more fights, more, you know, better understanding of the game, uh, he knows when he's down that you got to change the fight. And he started to land some clean right hands uh, and coming, you know, getting his scores around the corner. But the whole feel of it was that he was fighting back. It was like Thanachai is winning, Yodwiche is fighting back. Still did a fantastic job, put on a, you know, it made the fight entertaining. Uh, Thanachai gets the victory and he wins the tournament. Awesome stuff by RWS. Uh, you know, I'll definitely try to be regular. They do a good job of posting, they post highlights and they post full fights. So, a yet another stand up you know kick fighting opportunity where people are, are getting wins or they're getting exposure so really really awesome stuff there so i want to talk about the unfortunate unfortunate going ons of bokal poor pramuk this is weird because if he doesn't get in fight in the next couple months you know in the next you know between the end of the year this will be the first year that I can think of that he fought in the year and he didn't get a victory in the year. So like he didn't fight in 2020 and you know the you know some of those COVID years. He didn't fight in it. But if he fought in the year, he usually got a victory in the year. Here we have an example of a of you know because of what's happened this year, he gets the um uh the Rikia Ampo fight in Japan, which considering his age did phenomenal. Ampo Ampo's young and you know he did great and uh it was a decision they called it a draw uh and a lot of people knew that that's kind of 
Bokao is really going to have to perform well for it to not be a draw. So he got that draw. And then we have the Yoshihiro Kido. Um, that fight was going his way. He was getting ready to stop him. Then there was a head clash that caused a cut. And then we get the Wang Young Long fight. And Wang goes out there. And uh, I think it was called a no contest because of uh, rule set confusion. But Wang just kept doing a bunch of Wushu stuff, like uh, Xiao Xiao stuff. So he do a bunch of sidekicks. If they get in, he would try to, you know, throw Bokai on the ground. And it was a mess. And then all of a sudden, they stopped it. They decided not to do the fight. And then it just showed Bokai hitting pads for the crowd, stuff like that. It was a horrible scene. It was not good for any, any of the parties included. It looked bad. So I'm grateful that he is at this stage still fighting still out there still competing still doing things uh because he's in his early 40s now and it's crazy that i watched this kid shock the world by beating masao masato 20 plus years ago you know like it's just he burst on the scene in 2004 that was the world grand prix that we are and then next year is going to be 2024 so we're about to be 20 years removed from when he had that great debut that shocked the world it's just it's crazy that he's still out there still doing it but at the same time uh he's you know between the the legal stuff they did which he still deals with a lot of times he has to do exhibitions and stuff like that he is still dealing with some of the issues from his time with paul promoke but man He's an all-time great. He's a legend, and I hate that it's going to, you know, that it's uh, when he has these moments because I really wish that they could just get him, you know, as he goes down the end of his career, one more K-1, you know, tournament run, one more, you know, uh, a glory opportunity, something like that. All I know is just it hasn't worked out. So, uh, but whenever he fights, it's going to be posted. He's that famous. It is must-see TV. Whenever he fights, it is gonna end up on your facebook wall gonna end up on your twitter wall or or you know tiktok you're gonna hear about it you know win lose or draw he's that big of a star but him badahari having you know having rough years for sure gonna go ahead and wrap this show up with something that i said i was gonna do and now i'm returning to the focus of it i am going to spend the rest of this show talking about Tiffany Von Seust, who just retired, and I mentioned that I was going to really focus on what made her career great, and she really did have a phenomenal, phenomenal career. She decided she's 34 years old, so she'd keep going if she wanted to, uh, and I know she flirted with MMA for a little bit. She did a few fights. I was surprised she didn't go back and do more, but she loved kickboxing, loved Muay Thai, traveled. I mean, and she's, she's had her ups and downs in the game. She's had a few coaches, you know, had to, you know, some coach changes, uh, relocation, moved to Holland. Like, she's done some things. Uh, I don't know where she's now, but, like, she's done some things in her career, uh, you know, decision-wise and whatever. Uh, there are things that have affected her, and she just kept working through it, kept, kept fighting, kept looking for opportunities. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about, not just her fight style, stuff like that. The number one thing I want to give Tiffany Von Seuss credit for is of her era, I would argue that she fought more of the elite girls on the planet than anyone else. I would argue that she fought more of the elite. The only one I'd say is close is maybe Iman Barlow. Um, 
But as far as between kickboxing and Muay Thai and different promotions, I would argue that she fought the best. So let's go ahead and go down this list of people because there are going to be some names you're like, I didn't know that. So back, and I believe it was for an amateur title, she's got a loss to Jenna Castillo. Now, Jenna Castillo didn't end up being the fighter that I think a lot of people thought she was going to be, started flirting with MMA. Um, it, she didn't end up being that fighter. Like, she didn't end up, you know, being uh, what we thought. But she had some good buzz coming out of California when this fight happened. And that was a good, she beat Tiffany, and no one knew at the time what Tiffany was going to be. But she got to Jenna Castillo on the resume. Then we move forward, and then she gets uh, Lena, and this is just, uh, this is one that a lot of people aren't, you know, don't know about. Then she gets Lena uh, uh, Ovenchini, uh, excuse me, Ovenchinikova, Ovenchinikova, who people know that she got in the Bellator, she's kind of got a pretty look, she, you know, she, uh, especially in the Instagram world, um, she sold herself a certain way, but Lena was a Muay Thai fighter, that's where she came from, so Lena, uh, you know, Ochinikova, Ochinkova, got it now. Uh, Lena Ochinkova, who's known mostly as Lena, she fought her very early on, and she got a victory. Now, I think it was broken hand victory, so I think it was stopped in the corner, but it just shows, here we are, 2011, she's fighting international opposi opposition, you know? We get Vivian Lung, Heidi, and then all of a sudden, she gets, Jerry Sotts was older when they first met, so I, I, that should be noted. Um, but in this 2012 year, she goes against Jemima Petrain. Now, Jemima ended up, I believe she fully focused on boxing recently. I think she uh, uh, was on the Holland Olympic team for boxing. But if there's one heartbreaking moment that I've had in, kick, in women's Muay Thai, women's kickboxing, Erica Kimimura, Jemima Petrain, all in that same category of I wonder what if. Jemima was awesome. She had, she was really strong. Uh, she was almost like a smaller Jermaine Durandami. Like she would stay in the pocket and just use her strength and let her hands go and get stoppages. So she was really, really tough and she had really good forward aggression. Tiffany fought her. Fought her back in the day, both of them in their prime. And the fight ended up being a draw. The thing was, Tiffany had produced uh, knockdowns uh, by spinning back fist. And when so the difference of the fight was Jemima was carrying the rounds so she was scoring more of the effective boxing and kickboxing of the rounds but Tiffany you know with that awkward style and her suddenness and her ability to you know all of a sudden snap a snap a, a head kick without a big switch kick motion snap a back fist uh jumping knee like she was just really really good at finding those moments she was able to get a couple of those scores and they go to the decision and it was a majority draw I think the one had it for Tiffany, if I remember correctly, but then it was a majority draw. Some people in America were upset about that just because they thought the knockdown should have carried it, but that showed 2012 what this young woman was. She gets a victory of Jerry Seitz when this, uh, you know, when Lion Fight really starts to emerge. Now, again, unfortunately, Lion Fight, they're, they're nearing the end, but this is Lion Fight 7, so they just had Lion Fight 75. So, Jerry gets that victory and then she gets Alexis Rufus. Alexis Rufus at the time was a very very strong, very good fighter, very good fighter in England. And uh he, again Amon Barlow another similar opponent. Um Amon got a victory over Alexis, but Alexis really turned the fight around in the second half. Ford pressure, clinch, she brought she brought it. So she gets this fight and it's a tale of two two stories. There'd be a round where 
you could see that Tifty was able to get her boxing or kickboxing, her awkward movements, uh, her sudden strikes, her angles. You'd see around where she'd win that. And then you'd see Alex, Alex, Alexis get in the clinch, win uh, with strength. She had the game. At the time, Tiffany really didn't have the clinch down that well. She was trying. She just didn't have it, have it down. Uh, her technique at this time was to almost like get an underhook and force you into the ropes until there was a break. But Alexis was really versed in the clinch. So she was able to pummel, win those spots, score big-time knees, um, close fight. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the suddenness, the thing that makes her special, the suddenness in which she can get a strike that you're not ready for, left high kick scores, barrage of punches afterwards, gets the stoppage in the fourth round, fantastic stuff. That was just another victory that kind of got you thinking, this young lady's special. Then we get the fight with... Now, the yip was a victory, and then Lucy Payne. Now, Lucy Payne, at the time, she was from the... Uh, uh, same gym as Julie Kitchen, um, very tall for the weight class. She's able to go out there. She scores an elbow in space. She was already winning. Lucy was having trouble tracking her down. So she was already winning with like scoring and moving, scoring and moving. Lucy was trying to get her. her it was early in round one, four round, five round fight. Lucy hadn't got her bearings yet. Elbow comes over the top, barrage of punches in a corner, gets the stoppage, and another big international profile win over England. And then England, of course, is known for having uh, some of the best Muay Thai you know, practitioners. Uh, you can make an argument that Thailand's number one and England's number two. A lot of people will make that argument as far as full rules Muay Thai goes. So get that victory. And then we uh, move on. She gets um, Magali Ferrani. That was a lesser victory. The French girl, she wasn't as talented. Uh, she was able to stop her. Um, and then comes Kaylee Reese. Kaylee Reese is as legit a Muay Thai practitioner as you're ever going to see. Uh, All-time great. Uh, she's retired now. Uh, I, as she said, when she's done with her career, she's going to have burgers and babies. She has had both. So she's had a couple kids, and uh, she's mainly coaching. So shout out to Kaylee Reese. Um... But again, this shows that Tiffany's fighting anybody. And Kaylee was arguably for sure the best in the world at that time. And Kaylee was thinking about retiring at this moment until this opportunity came up. So Kaylee Reese goes out. They have a really good fight. And again, the story is very similar to the Alexis fight. Tiffany's able to win with the boxing, kickboxing, and space. Uh, Kaylee had a few moments there with kicks and teeps, but mainly she had Kaylee is as tough as it comes in the clinch. Super strong, very athletic. Close fight, it ends up going to a split decision. But it was another sign of she's fighting the best. Whoever the best is, she's out there trying to fight and compete against them. Didn't go her way, but again, you get Tiffany's name against someone that you're going to look back in the era and say, that's one of the best girls of that period of time. There goes Tiffany Fonsu's fighting her. Then she gets the Lucy Payne rematch. Cindy Hoyer, solid win there. Uh, left hook. Uh, and then that front high kick. If I, I remember this correctly, when she landed the uh, the front, the teep, Cindy turned because I think it got her, her um, sports bra. So she turned to kind of cover herself up and try to fix it. And the ref thought that she was turning away and he called the fight. If I remember correctly, that happened. But uh, I think that Tiffany was clearly winning the fight with Hoyer before that happened.
Then comes Denise Kilholtz. And this is another thing that I'm talking about. Why is she so great? She goes to Denise's backyard. She goes to Holland. She fights. Very close fight. The difference in this fight is, of all things, Denise Kilholtz catches her with a spinning back fist. Uh, and it really didn't catch that clean, but it knocked her off balance. And she fell. Uh, she stumbled. She tried to keep her balance. She fell on her butt. Uh, then Tiffany Von Seuss, um, that knockdown, I think, was the difference between a really close fight with really good, you know, kickboxing in the pocket. And Denise, you know, Denise Kilholtz is awesome. Like, that, just another elite. I would argue that she was the best kickboxer for the weight class of that that era. And then there again, you see Tiffany Von Seuss' name. And uh, who knows if they had a fought again. It was a super close fight. But shout out there, really good stuff. Next, we get... Um, uh, Another girl fights everybody. Uh, Chajma um, Belakal. That was not the prettiest looking fight, but that round five was was fire. Like Tiffany let it go. You know, bunch of elbows. You know, high kicks. Like just she came right after her. Really, really fun round uh, to end the fight. That's you know, if you ever seen Belakal fight, it's an awkward style. But um, Tiffany really had it figured out in round five, and she let it go. Then came the Bernice uh, Aldis fight. Bernice Aldis had been on a break for a while. Bernice had a kid, so much. She was super tough, and she is very, very slick. She reminds me of Norpol, of all things. She has a very slick game to her, like a very, uh, the, the suddenness, the, the, the movement. Uh, it's a subtle movement, the quickness in which she gets her offense. She's tough. And when she came out, they got into an exchange. I remember Tiffany, uh, you know, getting her game going. Uh, at this time, Tiffany had figured out the clinch a little bit more. Like, so she was able to pummel back with girls, uh, not just kind of force them into the um, the ropes. Because when she fought Kaylee, she tried that. She tried to get underhook and push, force, force Kaylee Reese into the ropes, but Kaylee's just too veteran. She would, you know, hook the arm or hook the head and she'd be able to score knees from the side. But by the time she fought Bernice, because of going against those girls earlier, she had developed the clinch a little bit. So there was a really great, you know, odd moment in round one where there was like a break in the action. And I guess, I don't know if Aldis didn't hear the ref, but she like elbows Tiffany in the head. But, you know, Tiffany had the bun up. And Tiffany, I just remember her face when it happened. She just walked away like, okay, you know, like, like you know, that's how we're going to play it, that kind of look. And then they went back to work and an elbow cuts Aldis. And she tried to keep going in the fourth round. They looked at it. They looked at the cut. And they stopped the fight. Uh, this was probably one of the another one of the bigger wins for her awesome awesome stuff by tiffany and you know bernice was dope like bernice is really really talented so that was a big time win for her uh and again lion fight they had their separation but this period of time lion fight was bringing in really good girls and she was beating all these girls uh you know well most of these girls so then um you get uh uh let's see Excuse me, I think it's Bartinia Crawl was next. That was a victory. Ashley Nichols from Canada, very solid girl. Ashley Nichols gave Anissa Mexing a really tough fight. She's really good. She was able to get the victory over Ashley Nichols. Again, too much in space. Then comes the end of her glory, her line fight relationship. At this period of time, she had tried to sell the title fight. So you guys see the the issues that she's going through now, uh, that line fight's going through now with people saying that they didn't get fight, you know, paid on, on Glory 75, uh, with people now bringing up stories about how when I was there, I had medicals, they didn't cover it. Like, all that's starting to emerge. So Alliant Fights had a really rough couple of weeks since I've left that event. A lot of things are coming out with Stephen Walker leaving and so on. So the everybody goes back to Tiffany. When this first happened, that's the first thing that goes through their head. 
Tiffany Von Seuss left and she tried to sell her title. What was that about? And everybody's remembering it now. And so flash forward to, you know, this time she tried to sell her belt for 500 online and then she gets the glory kickboxing contract. That is what became the final stage of her fighting awesome people. Remember the first fight that I told you about, the first, you know, breakdown I did, the fight with Jenny Castillo was in 2010. So here we go. We flash forward today. She gets a glory opportunity. She gets the Esma Hassas fight. Uh, uh, Hassas fight. Uh, she won a decision, but she scored a really clean switch stance KO or, or knockdown, which shows the skill that she has. Jessica Gladstone was more of a full rules Muay Thai girl who, um, you know, from Canada. So she wasn't going to be able to offer the kind of offense needed to really challenge Tiffany. Tiffany too good with the boxing, kickboxing, and space. Then comes Emil Debbie. Emil Debbie had some talent. Like she did some good things. Um, but she was never able to catch she was never able to corner uh you know for long anyways she was never 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 able to get consistent offense get offense against tiffany von seuss very underrated win for her because emil debbie was good so definitely big time victory there then maram osla tough german girl who fought everybody shout out to maram uh Ma'am also also went down to she fought uh, Kaylee Reese in her backyard, so she went to Perth. So she fought everybody. Tough girl. End of her career. I remember she had some uh, brain swelling, and they had to do surgery. I think she's okay now, but you know my heart welled for her because she took the fight on short notice. Tiffany was supposed to fight somebody else. So Visa, whatever happened, she wasn't able to do it. Marissa comes in. Osla loses TKO by punches, but she made a good account for it for herself. But there it is again. French fighter. So this so now you're hearing uh Usla, German fighter, Debbie, French fighter, Gladstone, uh you know, Canadian fighter, uh Esma, uh who was Moroccan Dutch. This is, you know, Ashley Nichols, Canadian before that. You are seeing Tiffany fight all the best, and there's a different flag next to a lot of these best. Then comes the first fight with Anissa Mexican. That's when I think you see how talented Anissa Mexican is. Uh and is she was just she's slick she was able to get up on the scorecards uh just you know good subtle movement clean boxing uh it's really hard to kick um mexican and not get kicked back like her pacing her her speed's really good so she kind of has this like slight bounce so then when you strike mexican will stop absorb the bounce or the strike and then get offense back and then if there's any dead time in your you like mexican will get off first so she loses this decision to mexican but she is determined to get this fight back then she gets uh sophia uh olafson Sophia Olofsson, that fight, again, at this time, I'm working for Glory Kickboxing. It is one of the cooler fights that I ever got to watch live. I'm ringside for that. And Sophia, I mean, it was a close fight. You could have for sure make a decision uh, for, uh, for Sophia Olofsson winning this fight. It was that close of a fight. And Sophia, arguably, at the time in Europe, she had won IFMA. She was, you know, one of the best Muay Thai protect practitioners there was good i mean tiffany had the hot start got the boxing kickboxing going come some clinch work and then the forward pressure sophia has this weird power hand it doesn't like turn like the knee doesn't turn her her whole shoulders don't turn with it but she just she was able to get close and score good tough fight probably at the time the best victory in my opinion of tiffany's career when she beats sophia then comes the rematch with anessa mexican mexican gets a decision and this was in france but it was closer in the decision it was a split so she had 
she was closing the distance every time like she was getting closer in the outcomes and uh you know some people didn't like that they did a rematch of this fight right away i understand that like volkanovsky and uh, max holloway and mma the volkanovsky said it's like they just want us to do it until he wins some people kind of felt that way about this fight but with that said professionalism skill growing Tiffany just kept getting better. She just kept getting better every fight. Then comes the, and again, I'm ringside for this next one, Nissa Maxson and her fight for the third time in Chicago, and this time it goes Tiffany Von way. So no matter what, she's got a victory over one of the best girls of her era. This has to be noted because you have a strong, strong argument for Nissa Maxson being top three, top five all time. You, you have a, you know, if not number one, most people have her number one. You have a strong argument for that. She beats Mexican, and I think the difference was there was an exchange where they got into the clinch, and again, you get that 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 active clinch for three seconds or whatever for glory, and they get into the moment, and Anexa, Anissa, I think maybe she thought that there was going to be a break in action, and she slows, and Tiffany just kept striking, and when she bent to the side, Tiffany brought two knees up to the face, one of them got gotten in clean and it put a bruise like a put a really bad you know like a, a a scar that she had to work with through the fight and you know it that happened around one so as you can imagine two three four five it just gets worse and i remember that that event was a two-day event and mexican and tiffany were the main event of the first day and mexican of course is super disappointed uh super upset about it um which happens that's that's the sport it happens uh and uh but you can argue that Maxon outscored her over the five rounds but man when you have such the, such a target there tiffany's work and again it wasn't even though you gave Maxon credit for rounds you would never say that she blew tiffany out of the water in any of those rounds tiffany was right there those rounds could have gone either way but that round was one of the most important i'd say of uh uh of her career because that led to her getting her best victory. So 2018, she gets Sophia Olofsson. 2019, she gets Anessa Maxson and she becomes the glory champion. Then she gets Aline Priera. Aline Priera is a good victory, but Aline is, she, did, she didn't have a lot of experience. Like she doesn't have a lot of wins over elite girls. That was a huge step up for Aline. Um, I really liked the Manazo Kobayashi fight. I think if you wanted to say what fight best exemplifies how talented Tiffany Von Soust is as far as her whole complete offense, the spinning kicks, the subtle boxing, uh, the you know, the high kicks to offense. This is it. If she if she when you know Tiffany Von Soust has kids one day, if she decides to go in that direction, when she sits down and she shows her sons and daughters a fight, that should be the fight that most exemplifies how talented she is. She put it together the night. And Manazo's good. Like, she's a talented girl. Uh, I actually, this fight was made because they had the deal. Uh, they made the deal with uh, Rise. And um, I was talking to Robbie Timmers, who he's a friend of mine for almost 20 years now. And we worked together in Glory Kickboxing. And I said, well, now you guys have this deal. You should have Mandazo Kobayashi fight Tiffany. I just threw it out there just offhandedly. Like, it'd be a good fight. And the fight's made and then he messaged me and said hey man because you said that that fight was made uh manazo's tough and even though manazo lost her second fight she's really good do not rule her out um 
Cedric Dombe lost his glory debut, and then he became great. So do not rule out Manazo Kobayashi being on your, your list or being in the glory title picture down the road. She's very talented. She's not very big, uh, but she's very talented. But anyway, she put it all together. Uh, she Manazo is defeated by Tiffany. That is the fight, I'd say, that exemplifies her career. Then she gets uh, Sarah Musadek. Close decision. I thought that she won clear, but the crowd just fell in love with the Dutch fighter. And they wanted Mosaduck to win. Uh, she kind of cheered. She kind of made it seem, you know, I think they were booing Tiffany. And Tiffany was like, you know, grateful for the opportunity to fight in a big stage in front of all those people. Uh, so it was kind of a, a unfortunate moment. But it happened. She got the decision. So they decided to do the fight again. And in her swan song, in her last fight, Tiffany won it how Tiffany wins it. She had a very subtle step to switch stance where she shoots the left kick. Sarah Mosadek didn't see it coming, gets the KO head kick. That rounds out a all-time great career. In my personal opinion, if you have Tiffany Von Soust in your elite fight, you know, uh, like if you if you rate her with all the best, you cannot put Tiffany Von Soust anywhere outside of the top five, in my opinion. She is an all-time great. She has fought, and I don't care where you place them. I'm not that person. I'm not that, you know, got to be one or two. I'm not that person. Uh, there are people who I like that have strong arguments, like in men's. I like Bacow and Taylor Spong for having, like, the best resumes in all of kickboxing. Like, I like them. But it doesn't mean that one has to be better than the other or that one is, like, significantly better than the other. When I look at top fives, just as long as I feel like the names that are in the top five have an argument for being there, I'm all in favor of it. And I think the legacy of Tiffany Von Seuss is she is a top five fighter all time in women's kickboxing and Muay Thai. This is clear. Uh, I think that there's no doubt. I think if you look at her resume, who she fought, when she fought them, um, I think that that stands for itself. I think that the Tiffany Von Seuss style will stand out. You will look back on this and say, man, she was so subtle with her angle changes. She was so quick with her boxing and her fast hands. And this is a girl who dropped weight. She started fighting a little bit heavier. She fought around the, you know, I guess what we would call uh, 127, 125 pounds. And then she moved down for Glory's 122 pounds. And I think when she fought mixed with martial arts, she moved down to 115. But like there was a change in her body when she like started to really focus in on being the best in the world and you know and again once the glory check started coming in i'm sure that once you're able to be a little bit more sustainable with your paycheck um you're free to work a little bit more and again she doesn't have you know kids or anything like that right now so there's nothing for the money to go to she's just dedicated to getting herself better but uh i look back on her career that that angle style and even though it didn't work out with her first coach I definitely think it should be noted the things that he played with as far as her angle changes, her her, her steps, her um, switch stance, her subtle offense, her sudden offense. Those are things that will help me to remember her always. So definitely shout out to a uh, uh, you know um, Tiffany Von Seuss, all time great, had a great career. Uh, it's gonna be sad to see you go because you definitely were very much part of the growth of women's kickboxing in Muay Thai. Your name is up there, so congratulations. Thanks everybody for listening to my podcast. Uh, God bless, have a good one. I wanna end the show on definitely, I know that a lot of people aren't thoughts and prayers people, but man, the situation that's going on in Israel right now is just scary and hurts my heart because I know a lot of, you know, um, you know, Itay Gershon, I know him well from Glory Kickboxing and he 
is an Israeli fighter. Uh, and I know a lot of fighters too are from the Middle East who I got to meet when I was in Holland, uh, you know, um, you know, from Palestinians that I've got to meet. And it just breaks my heart that there's so much battle between the two of them. And, you know, definitely praying that that works itself out, however it does. But it's just scary to see the kind of violence that's going on there. And you know how today is. Today there's a camera on everything. So now we're seeing the worst of mankind right now. So it's just heartbreaking that we're in that situation. So definitely praying and I desire, you know, a quick resolution to the things that are going on out there. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Be sure to share it. I promise you guys I'd be regular again and I have been. So uh, I should be back next week. God bless and have a good one.